Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. City News. It's 17.30 GMT. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. I am Umaru Sanda Amadou. Tonight, I'm here with... Nashika Caesar. And coming up over the next 90 minutes. Yes. So that three key message I want to send to our uh, Katia and the uh, General Secretary that it's a take time. If you quote it, it's a take time. The things where they do is not good. Is to take that decision. Is to reverse that decision. Is to reverse that decision. Na 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 na. I give them 24 hours. Angry reactions in Tamale South over the NDC's decision to replace Haruna Idrisu as minority leader. We have more of those reactions and other angles to the story here. On Eyewitness News. Also coming up, 39 students of Krobia Senior High School in Kumasi remanded into police custody over their involvement in vandalism in the school on Sunday. And later on Eyewitness News. I think this is must just, I mean, come to our attention. Even when school resumed or students resumed, uh, there was an issue of schools like Yasantua and Amas not having food. I came out with some distribution that had been made to them, and that went to lie. Government defends the allegations of food shortage in senior high schools, but school authorities insist the problem is big. We heard from a headmaster yesterday. Tonight we'll hear from a dining hall master on the situation in our senior high schools. Stay with 97.3 CTFM for more on this and many other stories on Eyewitness News and in business. Economist Professor Peter Cortes says agreements between government and the Ghana Association of Banks will boost confidence in the banking sector. That's in 50 minutes. Eyewitness News is live across Ghana on a number of affiliate stations across the globe. We are on citynewsroom.com. The show is interactive. You can drop your messages by going on WhatsApp and sending a message to 0549986. You can also go on Twitter and send a message using the hashtag City Newsroom. Across Ghana, we are on a number of affiliate stations. So in the western region, we are on Ajunpa 100.7 FM in Takwa, Beach 105.5 FM in Takradi, and Sky Power 93.5 FM also in Takradi. In the Bono region, we are on Greener 95.9 FM in Suryani. In the Ashanti region, on Focus 94.3 FM in Kumasi, Orange 107.9 FM also in Kumasi. In the Volta region, we are on Revival 99.3 FM in Tajavu, in, on VOV Radio 95.7 FM in Hohoe. In the Northern region, we are on Radio Bimbila 91.9 FM in Bimbila. Upper East, we are on Quality 88.7 FM in Garu. In the Upper West region, we are on Tunsung 97.3 FM in Wa and Radio Jirapa on 96.1 FM in Jirapa. Do let us know what you make of the stories we are bringing you by sending your reactions across. This is Eyewitness News broadcasting from Adabraka in Accra. Let's start off with the NDC leadership 
in Parliament. Nashika has a story. Right, Sanders, some supporters of the National Democratic Congress in the Tamale South constituency today besieged the party's constituency office following the announcement of the removal of their member of parliament, Harun Idrisu, as minority leader. The national leadership of the NDC in a letter to the Speaker of Parliament announced changes to the leadership of the minority. The changes had the minority leader, his deputy James Aveji and the chip with Muntaka Mubarak replaced. According to the angry residents who gathered at the Tamale South constituency office, this kind of reshuffle has never happened in the party's history. The further accused the national chairman of the NDC of sabotaging the former minority leader Harun Idris. Here is the constituency chairman, Alhaji Ralph Sumani, speaking to City News on the matter. Uh, this afternoon, you are here some news that uh, there the make some changes in the parliament house. So that one, people, many people know, understand why that thing happened like that. Because since 1992, you never experienced that thing before. So that's the first time you, you experience this one. So I don't understand. That's why the people of Dagbang, that's why the people of North region, that's why the people of Muslims, they are not understand why. So that three key message I want to send to Aser uh, Katia and the uh, General Secretary that is to take time, if you quote it, is to take time. The things we do is not good. Is to take the decision. Is to reverse the decision. Is to reverse the decision. No, 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 no. I give them 24 ways. If you don't take that, if you don't reverse that decision, you will see what will happen. You will see what will happen. No, 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 no. Nobody is aware. Nobody is aware. Nobody. Who is aware? Who is aware? Nobody. I said, look at this man, 50 quote. If he don't do it, I know. If he don't do it. Because the, first, the, the time they come out and do that, the people say that. I said, look at want to come and punish people. Are you getting me? Yes. You see, uh, this man, the general secretary, you go, Fifi Kote, you go the uh, uh, parliamentary two times. You, you refuse to go the uh, third time because you, you, you don't have. Uh, 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 you, 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 yes. So because of that, because of that. Because of that. You get, this one, I give Asere uh, Katia and Fifi Kote. 24 hours from today and tomorrow. If you don't review that decision, you will see what happened. Alhaji Ralph Sumani is the NDC chairman for the Tamale South constituency. And if you are just um, hearing about this, the NDC has written a letter under the name of its general secretary, Fifi Fiavi Kweti, uh, to the Speaker of Parliament, asking the Speaker of Parliament to recognize. Uh, the persons that it has chosen as its new leaders to lead the front. Uh, you do know that currently the front of the NDC is led by Haruna Idrisu, Member of Parliament for Tamale South, former Minister for Trade, former Minister for Communication. He is deputized by James Kluche Aveji, who has said he will not run for office anymore. His whip, or the minority whip, is Muntaka Mohamed Mubarak, MP for Aswasi. The party has decided to remove or uproot all these three and replace them with Dr. Kesela Tufosin of Ejuma Kwenyanistian as minority leader, Honorable Kofi Amabua of Elembele as a minority deputy leader, 
the Honorable Gavin Squami Agboja to be the minority chief whip. The first deputy chief whip has not been touched. That's Honorable Ahmed Ibrahim of Banda. And the Honorable second deputy chief whip, MP4, Adan, uh, has not been replaced either. That's Honorable Comfort Doyo Gansa. That's a letter that was written to the Speaker of Parliament on 23rd January 2023. And that is what has triggered the voices you just heard there from Tamale South. Daina Nguan is our correspondent in Tamale, and uh, she was there speaking to the supporters. She's joining us on the line. Daina, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Is it that they were generally protesting on the street or went to the party office to register their protest? How were they doing this? Okay, um, thank you, Sandra. So they were here at the party's office. There was no protest on the street. They gathered here at the Tamale South Constituency Office to speak um, from uh, the leadership here as to whether they are aware of the decision from the um, national office regarding the changes that have been made at the uh, parliamentary leadership. And according to the constituency office here, they do not have any information um, that, and that um, they also made some calls to Accra. And according to the um, minority, the former minority leaders camp, they do not have any information regarding the changes. It just came, it came as a shock to them, and they are demanding that the national uh, leadership uh, reverse its decision. Their major concern has to do with Haruna Ichizu being changed, um, removed as the minority leader. According to them, it's a sabotage and um, accused the uh, party's national chairman of being behind it and other uh, party executives of being behind the changes in parliament. Now, about how... Okay, go ahead. Currently, um, the crowd have dispersed. The um, regional secretary was here. Uh, Mohamed Abdesala was here like 30 minutes ago to talk to the crowd. And after he left, they have dispersed. We have, I can count less than 20 people here at the regional, um, at the constituency uh, party office. All right. Now, how many people are we talking about? The numbers? Um, in terms of numbers, they were, they were less than 50. They were less than 50 early on, but currently, uh, they are less than 20, actually. Okay, so they, they, they have they have sent their words and they've, they've moved on. I've heard one of them there say 24 hours and so on. So That's uh, the um, constituency chairman giving the national um, office 24 hours to reverse its position. Constituency chairman. Yes. Tamale yes. South constituency Tamale chairman. South constituency chairman, yes. So the people that who spoke... the um, regional secretary Salam came here. So the people who spoke to you were not just ordinary party members, but executives of the party. Exactly. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Dinah. That's Dinah Nguan. She's our correspondent in the northern region, speaking to us from Tamale South, the constituency of the Honorable Harun Idrisu, who has been removed as minority leader by the National Democratic Party, which he, National Democratic Congress, which he belongs to. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Now, uh, this um, has been received, the announcement, uh, with mixed reactions. We've heard what has happened in Tamale South. A number of members of parliament that we called have said to us off record that there have not been consultations. And so uh, this, this, these have become a bit interesting. We are told there's currently a FEC meeting, Functional Executive Committee meeting of the NDC ongoing 
uh, on this very matter. We have been told consultations have not been had uh, with members of the House. Other MPs hold the view there's no need for a consultation when you need to remove the people. Uh, you just go ahead and do that. Let's look at precedence and the law plus the actions of the NDC. A former Deputy Attorney General and MP for Bulga East is Dr. Dominic Ayine. He's joined us on the line now for some quick reactions to this. Doc, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Uh, thank you very much, my brother Yumaru. Let me say that since yesterday when we re- started receiving this information before we went public, we have been told that you were also in the name, I mean your name was in the list of possible persons who was going to be uh, used to replace the, the minority leader and now tonight is coming to the Jumaku constituency member of parliament. I don't know if at any point anyone has contacted you saying, oh, they are going to consider you for leadership position and what you thought of it. No, no one consulted me about that. I see. And Umaru, I think that is where the problem is, as far as this whole process is concerned. The absolute lack of consultation is deeply worrying. Um, We are a democratic party. In fact, democracy is our middle name. The NDC is National Democratic Congress. And so we should conform uh, to democratic principles in decisions, that we make as a party. And so um, it is true that uh, there was no consultation, at least I wasn't consulted. There was no caucus meeting at which we were told that uh, a new leadership, you know, was being proposed uh, for, for, I mean, a, a parliament and so on. And uh, I find it really, really deeply worrying. I remember in 2017, when we lost the election, I mean, uh, the general election and came back to parliament, um, at one of the meetings with the party leadership, it was the then general secretary, the um, Mr. Sirun Ketia, who is now a national chairman, who came with a group of national uh, executives and told us that they had proposed a list of leaders for um, the minority. And uh, that list was, of course, the, the leadership, that the outgoing leadership, uh, with Harun Idris to be in the minority leader. At that point in time, some of us raised questions about the lack of consultation. I was one of those who raised those questions. We had uh, the Honorable Agalga uh, raised, I mean, an issue about lack of consultation. Uh, Honorable Inus Afusaini raised a question about lack of consultation. And we were told that... Um, the regional caucuses were consulted. That was what General Mosquito told us, that the regional caucuses were consulted. And I retorted that our regional caucus was not consulted, and he said our lead, the leadership of our region, uh, you know, was consulted. Now, Umaru, I'm uh, saying this to underscore the fact that even at that point, General came to the, the, the caucus to announce the names and to talk to us about their reasons for choosing I mean, the, the personalities that they had chosen to become our leaders. Um, there was a bit of dissent, but generally there was consensus that um, the leadership that had been chosen for us by the party uh, was, you know, I mean, um, um, was good enough, and they were going to do a, an effective job. But I remember distinctly that the Honorable Agalga said, we as members of parliament reserve the right, you know, to recall them if their performance fell below expectations. And that was, I mean, very, very well received by the rank and file um, of, uh, of our caucus. And so I'm, I'm deeply worried about the fact that 
um, Adabraka you know, can just send a letter to Mr. Speaker and say that he are the new leaders of the minority caucus, and then we have to take it hook, line, and sinker. I think it is totally unacceptable. It is totally undemocratic. It does not conform to the principles of the Constitution regarding the, or I mean the, the running of the affairs of political parties. And Umaru, uh, if I may refer you to Article 55 of the Constitution, and uh, for the sake of your listeners, I want us to I want to read the entire I mean um, um, subclause that deals with uh, the democratic uh, uh, the internal organization of political parties. And it says in Article 55 of the Constitution that the internal organization of a political party shall conform to democratic principles. And its actions and purposes shall not contravene or be inconsistent with the Constitution or any other law. So the question is whether or not, you know, dictating the leadership of a minority caucus from party head office, you know, is, I mean, is in conformance with democratic principles. I would have thought that the most democratic way for us to choose our leaders would have been for the members of parliament to meet deliberate, you know, um, and then elect, nominate and elect their leadership. That's the most democratic way. If, I mean, anything falling short of that um, would come close to democracy if there are consultations and the building of consensus. But what has happened now is, you know, with all due respect to the party leadership, to the national chairman, the general secretary, uh, you know, all of whom are, I have a lot of respect for, I think that this falls short of being a democratic decision. It is interesting that you say that because your two leaders that you just referred to were MPs. I think they both served two terms each. One did in the 90s, one did in the 2000s, the early 2000s, and uh, even continuing to the 2000. And I think he left parliament in 2016. Yeah, well, that's yeah, Now, yeah. The point has been made that in the past, what happens is that the party decides who leads it in the in the House of Parliament because the the caucus in Parliament is a wing of the party. The party dictates who becomes a leader. Now, if that party has the right to decide who becomes its leader, because if you look at, for instance, the letter that they wrote to James Kluchavegi, they said that because of the preparations ahead of the elections of 2024, there is a need for some readjustments and so on, and that is why they came to the conclusion that they came to. You clearly, as persons who are sponsored by the party, cannot know right. better than the party that is a bigger machine or machinery that you are working for and with. Well, that is that is probably true to a large extent, um, but the party, you know, needs to act reasonably. The party must also accord reasons why it is doing so. And the, the, the main constituency that the party will be dealing with uh, or should be according reasons to is the minority caucus. You know, I'm not saying that the party should, not, should absolutely not be involved in the decision as to who um, should become the leader of the party Okay, of the minority party in parliament. After all, we all stand on the ticket of the party. And after all, we must advance the agenda of the party as a minority caucus. Okay, so I am not saying that we should detach the party, you know, I mean, absolutely from the minority caucus um, in terms of the choice of leadership. What I'm saying is that there is a symbiotic relationship between the party, you know, as the political organization or organ based on, I mean, on whose ticket we went to Parliament, 
and those of us who have been elected to represent the people of this country, not the party in parliament. All right. And so there is a need for that kind of um, in a, a, in a relationship to be reinforced in a manner that works well for the legitimacy of the leadership that has been chosen. Mm. You, okay, you th- you, you, it's good you use the word legitimacy. What yes. do you think of the legitimacy of the ato forcing led team now that a lot of you are saying you were not consulted? Well, look, I mean, um, the Honorable ato forcing the Honorable Amabua, the Honorable, uh, um, you know, Agoja, uh, they, they, that's a new crop of leaders, leaders that have been added to the existing leadership. They are fantastic people. They are my colleagues. I have worked with, you know, Atu has been very fantastic as a ranking member on, uh, you know, finance, the finance committee. Uh, Honorable Amabua has been a fantastic, you know, member of, I mean, a, a ranking member on the trade committee. Okay, Agoja on the roads, you cannot, I mean, I mean, faulty. So they are, they are, you know, a, a, a great, uh, team that can competently handle the front bench of the minority. So I need to get that out of the way. What I am saying is that procedurally, what has happened, okay, undermines the legitimacy of their leadership. And I have had to talk to them. I have talked to, uh, uh Honorable, uh, uh, Agoja, I've talked to Honorable uh, um, Boa. I haven't been able to get hold of her too. That the procedural, I mean, uh, uh, mechanism that has been used, or the, let me say the procedure that has been used, will ultimately raise a storm that will eat into their legitimacy as a leadership. And they need to weather that storm and weather it very well for, the, for us not to, I mean, uh, not to sink, you know, the ship of the minority in parliament. Finally, we do know that when the president is hiring and firing, he has no explanation to anybody. Can the party also use the same procedure, hire or fire? And again, we haven't been told that if you want to fire someone and you want to go through the process of consultation, it may take you forever because there will be lots of um, uh, you know, lobbying happening because you've even mooted the idea. Someone even mm-hmm. remarked, one of your MPs remarked to me of the record that, well, not of record, but before we came on air that, it's possibly the reason President Akufado is still having difficulties reshuffling his government because as soon as you plan to reshuffle and you want to do consultations and you consult so many people, you end up having so many people lobbying for so many people and you never do the, 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 the reshuffle well, that you have been planning to then, do. Then your own, your own leadership, I mean, uh, um, you know, I mean, credentials should be questioned. As a leader, you consult. But at the end of the day, okay, the buck stops with you. And you have to be decisive and take that dis- the decision in the general interest of the of the country. So, for instance, I mean, talking about a comparison between uh, the executive president or the current president, uh, you know, Nana Dodangwakufado, and the party, it's like comparing oranges and apples. The reason is that under the constitution, the president is a receptacle of all executive authority. In fact, the president can decide that he wants to run this country without any minister. All right. It is not the same with a political party. A political party, you know, is a, an association of individuals, you know, who have, who are like-minded in terms of their ideology, in terms of their values, and so on, who have come together in an association, you know, in order to run for polit, I mean, uh, uh, to buy for political office and for political power. All right. So you don't run a political party the same way that an executive president vested with all the constitutional powers to run his government. It will be very chaotic, all right? Because, you see, um, 
you know, it, I mean, Parliament is your your is the is a democratic chamber. You cannot, you know, you know, I mean, uh, choose leadership for a, I mean, your Parliament in a way that smacks of undemocratic, you know, approaches. Mm. That is the point that I am making. With all due respect to the party leadership, I think that um, we need to sit down and have, a, I mean, a, a, a deep introspection, you know, regarding how we conduct the affairs of choosing leadership. And in fact, Umaru, before I go, we had actually discussed it. And General Mosquito, then as General Secretary, was the one who said, we, the minority, should propose a blueprint for electing, I mean, our leadership with the, in consultation with the party. I mean, they said, I remember that the current chief whip, uh, Honorable Muntaka, got in touch with, with me. We put together a, a draft, I mean, a set of rules that we sent to the party head office. I mean, he told me that he has sent them. I don't know whether or not, um, you know, it is true and whether the party leadership has had, um, you know, the opportunity to look, I mean, uh, into those uh, rules. But the rules, the draft rules that we prepared, I mean, actually said that the caucus leadership shall be elected by the members of the caucus in consultation with the party. All right. And that at the beginning of each parliament, there will be an election of the caucus leadership. That is what we provided for in that those draft rules. I think we should go back to that because we are, as I said, uh, the National Democratic Congress cannot run its affairs in a non-democratic fashion. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Doc. Thank you. That's Dr. Dominic Ayina, his former Deputy Attorney General and NDC MP for Bulga East. The reaction is because, if you're just tuning in, the NDC has written a letter replacing Harun Idrisu as Minority Leader and the party is proposing, not proposing, telling the Speaker of Parliament that its new minority leader would be the Juma Kwenya Nesia Member of Parliament, the Honorable Keso Atuforsin. The Honorable Kletus Apulavoka is MP for Zebila. He was once Majority Leader when NDC was in power in the House of Parliament. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Thank you, Umaru. Do you recall it's how long, you... It's been a long time. I know, I know. It's been a while, but uh, we are yeah. doing well. <laughs> Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. I'm looking forward to the day we shall meet again. Inshallah, we will meet again. And uh, to quote, Mac, and to quote uh, Macbeth, and, uh, where shall we two meet again? Honorable, now when you, when, you, when, you, when you proceed on that, and yes, some George and his friends who are promoting that bill may, <laughs> may come after yeah. you and I, so... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do you, oh, I see. Okay. Do you get what I'm I'll going to? A different context, anyway. <laughs> That's right. Thank you. I appreciate it. Do you remember how you became the leader of the majority side at the time? How were you appointed or chosen? Uh... Thank you, Umaru. Um, I think it was sometime in February 2010. At that time, I was the Minister for the Interior. Uh, I had assumed that responsibility in 2009 when President, uh, late President May, so blessed memory, was sworn into as President and he started to put his cabinet in place. That I became the, I was appointed as the Interior Minister. Then a year after that, sometime in February 2010, he called me to his office in the castle and told me that uh, he wanted to reassign me to Parliament to become the majority leader. He said so on the basis that uh, he had discovered that the leadership in Parliament were agitating and were beginning to lose focus. At that time, it was the Honorable Bagbin who was the minority, I mean, majority leader, 
John Tia was the deputy majority leader. E.T. Mensah was uh, the chief whip. Now, these uh, uh, gentlemen have been in a minority leadership since 2001. Bagwin became minority in 2001, up to 2008 when we won the election. And then the 2009 when we put the covenant in place. The anticipation or expectation of Bagwin and John, uh, John Tia and Co. was that they would have also gone to the executive rather than remain in parliament. So the President Mills told me that they had become, um, if I want to quote him, even though he's no more alive, they, they had become combative and then uh, they, they belligerent. And uh, he didn't like the, the, the tenor. So he wanted somebody who had experience in parliamentary work, somebody who was going to be acceptable to the two sides of the House, and particularly his side. So he wanted, me to, he wanted to block me as the interior minister to the to the leadership of parliament. Of course, I didn't have difficulty in accepting it because uh, we still at the pleasure of the president. So I couldn't say no, and I had to go there. I, I'm not too sure uh, which people he might have consulted before doing that. But when I got to parliament as the leader of the house, I didn't have any opposition. What I discovered at that time was that some of the backbenchers were not happy, and they had formed what they call a backbenchers caucus. There are people like something I hear today, and then the Ahmed Ibrahim and whatnot. They formed what they call a backbenchers caucus. So I called them and I said that the house could not be divided, the caucus could not be divided. One party cannot be there and have the leadership and also have backbenchers leadership and caucus. So they should dissolve it. And with time, it was dissolved and we became united. So that is how I was appointed. So the circumstances are different. I see, but the, you don't recall at any point that at the time, maybe, would it be Kwabnai J who was chairman? At no point did Kwabnai J or General Secretary Mosquito invite you to tell you that they want to make you the leader of the House. And you don't even remember whether it was a party that wrote to the Speaker uh, at the time, and I believe it to be Joyce Bamford Addo, to say that they want to make you the, the leader of the majority side. Do you recall any such thing? Uh, no, no. Uh, there was no discussion between me and the leadership of the party at the time. That is Dr. Governor J. Uh, of Blessed Memory and then General Mosquito. The fact is that um, at that time, there was a president in office. There was a leader of the party. President J.A. Mills was president and leader of the party. So he could take certain decisions for and on behalf of the party, maybe in consultation with the party, or etc. So that is peculiarly different from a time that we have not had primaries and therefore we don't have a flag bearer in office yet and therefore it's limited to the party because there's no president of the NDC or flag bearers yet. But the democracy will still apply and we, I know gradually we'll get into that for, for me to explain. Great. So what do you make of the democratic principles at play this time around? The de facto leaders of the party now are the chairman and of course his right-wing man, the administrator of the party, the general secretary who wrote that letter. Yeah. We have former flag bearer John Mahama, yeah. but he's not the leader of the party per your constitution. Yes. Is the party right in doing what it did now, following from what you and Atta Mills, who was the leader of the party at the time, did? Because clearly then they would have been towing that line. Yes, I've told you that uh, the leadership in parliament were already looking to exit, and therefore it was easy for them to for them to be removed and then for new persons or me to come in. And they were made minister. In fact, when I was removed, I think Babin went, was immediately appointed to the Minister of uh, Works and Housing. John Tiang went to the Minister of Information. And then the E.T. Mensah went to the Minister of uh, Labor and the Mobilization, etc. Like that. 
So there was no um, ill feeling in Parliament, you see. Now, if we come back to the present scenario or present circumstances, yes, we don't have a, a, a presidential uh, a president of the NDC yet or flag bearer, but at least we have a former flag bearer who can be consulted. We have the Council of Elders who may have to be consulted. But, Mr. Omaru, we know we are deepening democracy. We are improving the stage of democracy in our country and in our party. Uh, what, we happened, what used to happen in 1993 when I was uh, an MP, uh, first-timer, and then gradually we have progressed. So in 2010, and uh, we are talking about 2023, that is uh, 12, 13 years ago, a lot of things have, have, have taken place and circumstances have changed. So we cannot do what, as what we cannot do now what we were uh, doing in the past. We have to improve. We have to deepen our democracy. And we have to build consensus. And don't forget that we are in opposition. That time that you are talking about me and Atami, we were in government. This time we are in opposition. And when you are in opposition, you have to be worried about your changes, about your, the circumstances that you take and the rest of them. You have to be con- concerned about that. And that is why I think, with the greater respect to the leadership of the party, they have our colleagues, I mean, Mosquito worked with me in the Consultative Assembly in the first parliament three times and whatnot. So we are very close with each other. But I think that with the greater respect, the timing is, 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 is wrong. With the greater respect to them. They did not consult you at any point? In the least. In the least. I was having a busy yesterday in his office. And he was organizing, I mean, he even drafted something for a press release and asked me to look at it vis-à-vis Article 181 of the Constitution for him to talk to and whatnot. And we did that yesterday in the morning. His body language and whatever did not suggest that there was something like that in the making or in the offing. It, 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 I mean, on, uh, unless this morning or last night they called him to consult him, I do not know. But I was with him yesterday after about midday in the office, in the in Parliament House. Yeah. And I was excited about his work and then, and then planning... We even discuss issues when we come back, what she should be doing and whatnot. We discussed that yesterday. What do you think this sudden change then, and I'm using sudden because a lot of you are saying you've not been consulted, what would that sudden change mean to confidence in your leadership or your, your front? Uh, Maru, you see, I, I fear that uh, the, 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 uh, the fallout might be... Be, might be beneficial to the MPP in the sense that we are now uh, in a collective mood. We are now motivated, have regard to the second time in the country, to push forward for a victory of the NDC in 2024 election. We are committed to that. That is our focus now. We did not, it is, it is not prudent that in these, in these, second, second, uh, in these current circumstances, we, ro- we, we, we rock our front in the, in, in, in the house. We, we do not need to do that. We need to galvanize each other. We need we, we, everything that we need now. And the point that are pushing MPP to the wall for good governance and for economic recovery. And then at the end of the day, win the election. It is not meant for us. It is not prudent for us at, at this stage to, to try pulling each other's legs and then causing uh, uh, low morale and uh, rancor and bitterness in the, in the chamber or in the, in the um, minority caucus. It doesn't speak well of us. When you were removed... We are, we are, it's diversionary. What is happening now is diversionary. For the next week or two, or one month, uh, we'll be talking about NDC internal uh, crisis or conflict or whatnot, rather than 
skinning on the on the on, on the MPP, and that is unfortunate. And if, I thought the mosquito and co are too experienced to, to fall into this pit. If this holds, how Idrisu reverts to becoming a common floor member of the House or the, yes. in the chamber, like yes. Theresa May is in the UK currently. When yes. you reverted to being a common floor member after you removed as leader and Bagbin giving back his job. Did you have people yes. who were loyal to you? And do you reckon that there will be people who are loyal now to Harun Idris who may torpedo uh, Ato Forsen's reign and administration? Well, I don't pray for any such thing to happen. But I, whether you like or not, willy-nilly, there will still be people who will have that sympathy and loyalty to Harun. And then the, there will still be uh, people who also be uh, sympathetic and loyal to the new uh, people that they have uh, appointed. Uh, and let me say without hesitation that what I'm saying is without prejudice to the competence and then quality of the new uh, leadership that they have elected. They are good, very competent, uh, uh, Forsen and then uh, Aboja and then uh, Iman Oboa are good parliamentarians. I'm talking about the timing. What time, what time, time will be right? Because the party can argue that, listen, Haruna was a quote-unquote nobody when we gave him the job as leader. Today he has grown. Let's groom some more people so that we have a strong um, representation in the House of Parliament. Mara, that is true. He was nobody. He has become somebody. This is not the time to make nobody a somebody. This is not the time to make no, uh, nobody a somebody. This is the time to governance all of us to fight the NPP so that we can win elections not to make heroes out of non-entities. This is not the time. Let's leave it here. And Thank when you. I left in 2013, when we won the elections, and then John Mahama came back, yes, that year, I mean, that, at that time, you make new appointments. If you came to that time, they are making new appointments, nobody will say anything. And if you look at the terror appointment, it, 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 that, uh, that my chairman, I don't want to talk about my chairman in public, but he did mention along the line somewhere, that uh, they did it because of regional balance and the rest of them. But this one rather has taken away the concept of regional balance. And that has offended the sensibilities of some people. Because you think that the North is not represented. What about the argument that your de facto, not de facto, your presumptive flag bearer is from the North? Oh, but that's presumptive. That's rebuttable. Even if he, if, if, if he comes, that's not the first time. We've had circumstances where these things have happened. And when they happen, we accept them. But not in the present circumstance that we find ourselves. That our energies, eh, our commitment, our focus should be how to win the election, but not how to change leadership. If there were fundamental difference, I mean, a, a, a challenge to the leadership, and they were doing it, we don't mind. Well, yeah. the, general, the former general secretary of NDC, Dr. Aye, was removed under circumstances that everybody applauded. We are not saying that Haruna and Munchaka and Co must be there forever or, I mean, uh, in, in, uh, cannot be removed. We are talk- um, my concern is the, the, the circumstances we find ourselves and the fact that they are doing very well in Parliament. They have, a lot, they have support and the confidence of the caucus, the entire caucus, I'm assuring you. Haruna is very humble and accessible. And if you look at the front line they have given us, there is no legal brain there. We are not saying that the leader might be a lawyer, but at least either the leader, the, ma- the deputy majority leader, the chief whip, or somebody. So it will leave your front bench naked? Very vacant. Naked. It will leave them very naked.
If they had but the argument could also be made that the Honorable Sir Chairman Sabonso is not a lawyer, but he's been... Uh, he's been... Mankins, Mankins is a lawyer. Before Afenio Mankins came, Ajua Safo, who was the deputy majority leader, was a lawyer. They don't have somebody to back the, minor, the majority or minority leader, if he himself is not a lawyer. So that when they are going to bamboo them by law terms and the rest of them, at least there will be somebody to challenge them. Mosquito, our general chairman, our chairman knows this very well. Is it too late to reverse it? Is it too no. early? It can still be reversed. It's not too late. We are, we haven't even met yet. I think that I think that uh, it's not too late to reverse it and then say and, that. Uh, so it must be reserved. Okay. It must be reversed. I, 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 in all in all honesty and humility, I, I I will pray that they do that in the interest of the party and for our victory in 2024. Very well. Thank you so much for speaking to us, Honourable. Thank you. Hello, that, that, uh, good evening to you. Okay, I'll come to you, Honorable Fifi. Uh, that was Honorable Cletus Apol Avoka, MP for, um, um, what's the word? Um, Zebila that I was speaking to. Let me go to the General Secretary of the NDC now, Fifi Fiavi Kwete, former MP for Ketu South. Honorable, you're welcome to Eyewitness News. Hi, good uh, evening to you and to all your many listeners. First of all, because we are in the age of Photoshop, confirm that that letter that we have been reading all day addressed to the Speaker of Parliament is actually from you. Uh, yes, I can confirm that the letter uh, was signed by myself, yes. Explain the decision for this. Why is the party doing this now? Uh, let's just say that... Uh, it's an integral part of uh, a process towards uh, uh, preparing ourselves for the next uh, general election. Uh, a process of reorganization has been uh, ongoing, uh, starting from branches to constituencies to the region, and uh, recently at the national level. Uh, we're expecting to have uh, a continuation of the process relating to uh, parliamentary presidential uh, primaries, uh, we believe as part of that whole preparation, uh, there's a need to be looking at ways in which we can, uh, uh, re-strategize towards, uh, uh, these 2024 elections. Uh, one of the things we can see is that, uh, it's going to be an election that's going to anchor and revolve around matters that have to do with the economy. It's going to be an economic battle, uh, and as part of the consultation at the highest level of leadership, uh, we thought uh, that actually is a good opportunity to be looking at how to reposition even the parliamentary leadership uh, towards having um, a leader whose domain uh, and uh, and uh, forte has to do with economy uh, to be able to as it were lead that whole process uh, in support of the party uh, towards uh, this very crucial uh, 2024 election. So that uh, economic angle of it is a, was a very important consideration. Uh, the other consideration also was that uh, we clearly know that in this country traditionally we've had uh, we have about four, if you call it, uh, swing regions, and those swing regions represent uh, very important regions that you always want to win because if you're not winning them, uh, invariably you are unable to win elections. And these swing regions invariably tend to be the traditional western region, uh, the central region, uh, the traditional Brongahafo region, and Great Accra region. Uh, so that also uh, factored uh, hugely in the calculation. Uh, we're talking about a party that, uh, let's say by and large, uh, has um, 
uh, a national appeal. We wanted to ensure that that um, broader national profile reflect also as far as the parliamentary leadership of our country is concerned. Okay. Now, you said there were consultations at the highest level of the party. How high was it? Because we are told that you are having a FEC meeting for the first time on this matter this afternoon, FEC being Functional Executive Committee meeting, to discuss this matter that you have already decided on. Two, we are told former President John Mahama um, had said you should hold on to this decision, but you still went ahead with it. Three, senior members of the House of Parliament that you are imposing a leader on, including Cletus Avoka, who has been there to, since forever, uh, who was even once your leader, has just said to us that there was no such consultation. The Honorable um, Edwin Nilante Vandapo, MP for Ododododio, who is the caucus chair for the Greater Accra Region Caucus, has said there was no such consultation. Who and who did you consult as party leaders? Uh, let us say this way, that um, at the level of the functional executive, uh, the party has a leader, and the leader is the chairman of the party. And the party has a chief executive, and the chief executive is a, a general secretary of the party. Uh, and also you have what you call the council of elders of the party. You also have the, the only, uh, it's just in, uh, the only living former president that we have. Uh, so clearly when it comes to the apex of the party, I'm talking about leadership of the party. Uh, these are the groups that are, uh, uh, the group that are widely consulting, and that consultation has been done. Uh, now, in terms of uh, parliamentary, as you mentioned, there's one process when you are looking at, uh, let's say you've won, or let's say after elections have happened, there's a new parliament that has been uh, uh, inaugurated, and you are now looking as it were bringing uh, new leadership. Uh, the process... Towards that, it's not exactly the process when you are looking at reshuffling. Uh, reshuffling process uh, is not necessarily the same as well. It is you're talking about a new parliament that you're looking at a new leadership. Now, so let me just say this way that the, what needed to be done as far as the reshuffle was concerned, in terms of consultation, that has been done. Uh, and all the people I've mentioned have been duly consulted. Now, issues relating to the, for the, for the former flag, for, uh, former president has said and so on. Uh, I think I prefer not to go into that. All I can t- say is that all the key uh, leaders uh, that I've mentioned have been duly consulted. Was former president Mahama consulted on this decision? I've, I've just, I've just said, I've just told you that he has been consulted. Yeah. And he approved that you should go ahead with what you are going ahead with. I keep, I just, I, I just, I just told you that he has been duly consulted and his views were taken into consideration. Yeah. I know, so I'm, I'm asking that after he was consulted, did he say yes, he agreed with the decision or no? Because we are told he said no, don't do that, hold on onto it, onto it. Is that true? All I can say is that he has been consulted, his views were duly reflected. The ones who have been removed, i.e. Haruna Idrisu et al., have they been consulted? <laughs> what you do is to inform. When were you know, they, when were know, they informed? The process, the process of reshuffling is not the same as the process of what you call initial appointment. So when it comes to reshuffling, you are duly informed. And, uh, that process actually has been done as well. When were they informed? Uh, as far as I know, uh, one of the elders of the party was, uh, uh, asked to be the one to 
informed uh, I mean, those who were affected, and that has been done. Do you mind sharing the name of that elder of the party? Uh, does it matter really? Uh, that has been done. That's all that matters. Because I just spoke to, again, Honorable Kletus Avoka, who is saying to me that he was with the min- current minority leader, Haruna Idrisu, as of yesterday. They were having discussions on when they return on 7th February. He did not get any indication from Haruna Idrisu that he had been informed of any such reshuffle. In fact, this afternoon, we spoke to MPs who said they called their leader who was shocked that he was hearing it for the first time on City Prime News. So that's what I'm asking if they were informed and if you could share with us can, who went to do that information. State, I can state without any any hesitation that Honorable uh, Ayanadiso was informed yesterday. Yesterday. How about the ones who you have appointed? Were they also informed, consulted, or you just foisted a position on them? How, how, do you, how do you appoint people without at least uh, doing the necessary background background check in order to be sure whether they were in the position to be able to uh, to do a job. So naturally, uh, you need to definitely have some idea about their capacity and also uh, the, the the possibility if that opportunity becomes available. So people like um, Neil and Tevandapa, who are external or extended leaders of the party by virtue of the fact that they are caucus leaders, you do not think they needed to be consulted because this is removal and it is different when you are appointing afresh from yes. when you are when you are making a replacement. So that's why you didn't consult them. Yes, yes, yes. Some of them hold the view. Dr. Dominica, you know, used to lead your party in legal matters. In fact, not only your party, but the country because he was a deputy attorney general. He has said that he finds the actions of the party undemocratic for a party that has democratic in its name. Uh, the Honorable Kletus Avoka also believes the same. What's your reaction to that? That you should have at least allowed the caucus to elect their leader rather than you at the bracket deciding what happens in Osu. This will not be the first time uh, a change has happened uh, as far as leadership of parliament is concerned uh, after the initial appointment has been done. Um, I think uh, there was actually a change between uh, Avoka and uh, Dr. Kumbo, where Dr. Kumbo became the majority leader, uh, taking over for Avoka. Uh, what, is ha- what has happened now is not dissimilar to what happened then in the past. He explained that that time you were in power, there was a president, and so things were not that, that big a deal. But now it's a big deal because when you remove the guy, he doesn't get a ministerial position. Haruna Idrisu now becomes a common floor member, possibly even at the back bench. And it's that that impossible. that may potent problem for for your it's, it's, side. It's, impo- it's important to appreciate that these decisions are no individualistic decisions. This is about a party. It's about collective decisions. And so it, it becomes it becomes uh, difficult when people tend to want to make it as if this is something to do with just individuals or just have to do with personalization. I think we need to elevate that conversation and look at decisions that are taken with a view of the collective uh, 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 interests of the party as opposed to uh, particular individuals. In fact, it would be difficult for you to move the issue from individual matters because there's another section that says that these three gentlemen were removed because they did not support Johnson Asidu Nketiah's bid to be chairman, and that is why there is a revenge of a sort that they have been removed. What do you say to that? Oh, I would think that that would, uh, uh, that would just be complete speculation. 
uh, on the part of uh, those who do, those who are making those uh, allegations. That'll be complete speculation because these decisions are uh, uh, decisions that happen as a result of wide consultation. And a lot of the people, in fact, I would say majority of those who were consulted are the people who didn't take part in any election. So if it says that it's simply about one individual, then clearly that would not happen. And if it were the case as well, then it would be the case that only the people who, uh, should I call it, uh, 100% uh, voted or supported uh, those of us who are in office now the most would have been the people who would have, who would have, who would have emerged. Uh, I can tell you that there are people who are much closer to some of us in the House uh, who clearly supported us the most, and they are not part of this uh, leadership at all. So I don't think uh, we need to, again, go down the alley of uh, some of these speculations. Yeah. Is your decision final or is subject to more consultations? Uh, the Honorable Clases Avocat thinks you should reverse it. Is it too late to reverse? Is it a final decision or you can reverse this? The leadership of the party at the highest level has taken the decision. And that is what it is. It's final. Even if yeah. your caucus says we do not like the new leader. No, we don't. You can't, you can't, you can't, you can't set up, you can't set up a precedent where decisions at the leadership of the party is now going to be an issue of caucus. No. The leadership of the party in parliament is appointed by the leadership of the party. It's not, it is, it's not something that is done by the leader, by, by the caucus of the party. There's no such precedent. So we should not, as it were, try to create impression as if that's what the practice was in the past and therefore that's what it ought to be. As I just told you, these are decisions that are taken by the highest leadership of the party, even in the current, uh, uh, basically those who have been in the place. It was exactly the same process that, 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 that happened. Uh, towards their, 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 their appointment in the first place. There could be mutinies. There would be issues of legitimacy of the new leadership. Can you deal with that? Um, I, don't, I don't know why we want to go into um, um, issues that have to do with uh, speculation and all that. I believe that this is a party that understands uh, that uh, the collective interest of the party is far more important than any individual issue at all. Uh, so knowing the party as I do and knowing that there have been changes that have happened in the past and we've been able to move on, I do not see why we should not be able to keep the broad interests of the party always as number one and be able to really focus on our broader goals. Let's look at the substance of the people you've put before you now in the Chamber of Parliament. The argument is that the House of Parliament is a house of lawmaking and yet your leaders, none of them, is a lawyer. If Alex Afenio Markins rises on his feet and quote-unquote bamboozles their side with legal jargons, they would be confused. In fact, Osei is not a lawyer, but when he rises and decides to make a point of law, argument or view is that he may drown your side. How are you going to exactly deal with the issue of lawyers at your front bench? What I would say is that uh, you must appreciate that leadership is always about ability uh, to mobilize your collective, your ability to rally uh, all the lieutenants who are, who are behind you and make sure you are well uh, versed with all the issues and be able to, as it were, rise to that occasion. 
there have been excellent many excellent parliamentarians who haven't who have not studied law at all, who are not lawyers at all, but they've been able to actually master their art, understand uh, even the standing orders of the house, understand the constitution of the country, and been able to do a good job. And we believe that uh, uh, the people who currently have been uh, put in that position are capable of not just rising to the occasion, but also working with uh, uh, the lieutenant who are behind them in order to be able to be well uh, mobilized and prepared for any eventuality. Finally, considering the reactions coming through from your caucus members, are you going to have a meeting with the caucus to try and help them make sense of this decision of yours? And when would that meeting be if there's going to be any such meeting? Yeah, let's just say that these are, these are internal issues and, uh, what it is we propose to do will be, uh, done internally. Uh, when it says that we think there will be a moment that there's a need for maybe informing the broader public, then we will. But for now, these are internal issues and we'll keep it at that. Thank you so much for speaking to us, sir. It's a pleasure, Omar. That's General Secretary of the National Democratic Congress, who is former Ketu South MP, former Minister for Transport, you know, Fifi Fiavi. This is Eyewitness News on 97.3 CTFM. Let's talk about the Krobia Asante issue and then we go to Point Blank. On Point Blank tonight, we're focusing on the issue of food in secondary schools. We've heard from a headmaster yesterday. Uh, we've heard from the Ministry of Education to n- this morning, but there are still reactions coming through from the schools. We have a dining hall master who says what the ministry has said is not true, but that would be before this story. The Asakari Mampon District Court has remanded 39 students of the Korbia Asante Technical and Vocational Institute in connection with disturbances in the school over the weekend. 27 of the accused are juveniles, while 12 are young offenders. The accused persons have been charged with conspiracy to commit a crime to wit unlawful entry, causing unlawful damage and stealing. Lawyers for the accused persons pray the court to grant bail for their clients, but the prosecution argued otherwise. The court, presided over by His Worship Samuel Waben Kwanza, described the plea for bail as premature and asked the police to remand the young offenders into police custody and the juveniles at a juvenile home. Here is the counsel for the accused persons, Kwame Jinfi, addressing the press after the court proceedings. It's adjourned the matter to the 2nd of February. And so when it comes the next February, and at this time, let me sound a word of caution here. That is too premature for us to visit the merits of the case. And we can't also go into the content of whatever happened here. So come next uh, week, 2nd of February, 2nd of February, we shall meet. A total of 39 have been arranged. Can yeah. you differentiate? Yes, out of the um, total, 26, 27 of them were below the ages of uh, 18, and that is to say they are juveniles. They are juveniles, and the rest of them, none exceeds 21, they are young offenders. Yes, that is it. That's a breakdown. That was the counsel for the accused 39 students of the Kobia Asante Technical and Vocational Institute, Kwame Jainfi. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. Get the details. Every significant financial transaction, every market movement, and all the policies that affect your business. City Business News. Be informed. Time now for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. I am Nashika Caesar. Let's settle for the details. 
The Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, PURC, has assured of continuous protocol of engagement with stakeholders before it announces any tariff adjustments in the future. The Utility Commission maintains that engagement will follow, will allow for an extensive presentation on the factors that necessitate any possible increment. The Executive Secretary of the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, Ishmael Aka, made this comment in a media interaction after a closed-door meeting with the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry over the recent increment to increase electricity and water tariffs by 30 and 8.3% respectively, effective February 1. We had a letter from the Ghana National Chamber of Commerce and Industry that they wanted to engage us uh, on this. So we had a very fruitful meeting today. One thing we've all uh, concluded on is that there need to be a very good engagement uh, between PURC on one part and the chamber before even the tariffs are announced so that, one, uh, we can make presentations on the assumptions we are using. They can ask the questions and they can also make inputs into uh, the tariff. So that has been agreed, and uh, going forward, that is what we're going to do. So this adjustment, uh, the decision has been made, and it has been gazetted uh, It's a law. So for now, uh, nothing can be done on the part of PURC. However, there will be other quarterly adjustments. So we, what we are doing is to establish the protocols for engagement. That was the Executive Secretary of the Public Utilities Regulatory Commission, Ishmael Aka. Now, the Director General of the State Interest and Governance Authority, SIGA, Edward Watton, is urging Chief Executive Officers of state-owned enterprises and specified entities to be more effective in their supervisory role to ensure the high rates of audit infractions by the SOEs are curbed. He's also calling for effective collaboration with auditors to check the trend. This comes on the back of the 2021 Audit Infractions Report by the Auditor General, which uncovered financial irregularities amounting to 17.5 billion Ghana cities by public boards and corporations and other statutory institutions. He made a call when the management of the state interest and governance authority, SIGA, submitted a report on the causes of the 2021 Audit Infractions Joint Report. The committee's work revealed the following. Lack of effective supervision, monitoring, and and evaluation on the part of CEOs, heads of finance, and others in many instances. Realize that what we like to term schoolboy mistakes or class one mistakes were because a lot of the CEOs just don't pay attention to the Auditor General when they enter their premises. The second are procurement irregularities. I think sometimes in the haste to get to the end goal, sometimes people just don't follow due process. Then also we realized there was misapplication and misappropriation of funds in some instances, and some of these defaulters have been named in our report for the appropriate sanctions to be taken against them. Then there is also the issue of risk management, and that's something that we believe that you have to bring to the attention of government that people who are put in these positions should understand the results of their action and inactions because sometimes they just don't understand anything about risk at all. Then there is also the other key issue, which is just lack of collaboration with auditors. We realize that 
do you know that there were some of these CEOs who came to us and for the first time they were reading their own audit reports. So we asked them what happened during the exit interviews. They didn't take it seriously. That was the Director General of the State Interest and Governance Authority, SIGA, Edward Watson. Away from that, an economist, Professor Peter Cortes, says the agreement reached between government and the Ghana Association of Banks will ensure that financial institutions have the needed funds to help stay afloat. There have been concerns that the banking sector risk losing 60% of their revenue in the debt exchange program since most banks depend on government treasury bonds. However, government and the Ghana Association of Banks have reached a consensus to pay 5% of coupons for bondholders for the year 2023 and a single coupon rate for each of the 12 new bonds resulting in an effective coupon rate of 9%. Speaking to City Business News on the matter, Professor Peter Corte says the agreement reached between the government and the Association of Bankers is a step in the right direction. It could have been better, but I think it's a positive signal. The financial institutions will have some resources to, to maneuver, at least. It may, it may not be running into losses. There will be recent revenue derived from the patients, and that can help them to afloat. So for me, it's a step in the right direction, and, and I hope going forward, dialogue, consensus building will continue. If we have done this and done it well, I believe we wouldn't be uh, going through some of the uh, turbulence and all the challenges that, that we, uh, we face. We should bear in mind that the financial sector, money doesn't like noise. The financial sector doesn't like these kinds of disturbance. So we certainly have to communicate very well at the right time so that we ensure financial stability. The step in the right direction, at least this movement or step from the previous situation where there are going to be zero coupon or zero interest in bonds for 2023. So the 5% coupon rate for 2023 for me is, is good. Professor Peter Corti is an economist. Finally, the executive director of the Institute for Energy Security, Nana Amwesi VII, says oil marketing companies, OMCs, ought to be absolved from blame from the current price of fuel in the country. The price of petrol is 13 Ghana cities, 60 pesos, while diesel is selling at 15 cities, 50 pesos at major pumps. After seeing some weeks of decline, consumers have raised concerns over this development and accused the OMCs of overpricing. But speaking to City Business News, Nanamwesi Seventh stated that the current prices at the pumps are a reflection of happenings on the global market and concerns of pricing ought to rather be channeled to the National Petroleum Authority pay its mandates. The oil marketing companies must not be blamed for the current increases at the pump uh, because what the OMC or the oil marketing companies does is they source from the bulk distribution companies and whatever price they give to them, they add their margin, add government taxes, levies and other margins and offload it to consumers. We must rather direct our attention to the BDC and probably the National Petroleum Authority because the MPA is the body mandated to monitor the space and regulate. And so if we are seeing any increases at the pump that are not justified, then of course we must rather blame the MPA. But for us at IES, the price that we are seeing at the pump reflects the happenings on the local market 
world as the international market that the fuels are sourced from. Nana Moisi Seventh is the Executive Director of the Institute for Energy Security. And that's all for City Business News on Eyewitness News, powered by citybusinessnews.com. My name is Nashika Caesar. Up next is Point Blank. Let your voice be heard on Eyewitness News on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash city97.3, Twitter at twitter.com forward slash city973, and Instagram at instagram.com forward slash city973 with the hashtag Eyewitness News. Eyewitness News. Be there as it happens. that has happened to our country is a free SHS. But I beg to differ about its implementation. Um, we know the government alone cannot do it. And we keep drumming into the government here that it cannot shoulder the burden of parents. Parents who have what it takes take care of their children, are being denied to take care of their own children. You know, um, in this world, we have classes. Whatever you think, I don't mind. We have classes. Some of us can take care of our children. Some cannot. So why don't we look for those who cannot? And the government helps them. We have the leap. Right? That is for the poorest of the poor, and the government grants them what? Loans. How did they get them? How? Because if you look carefully, you will get those who really, really, really. But as a headmaster that was speaking to us on Eyewitness News yesterday, this is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sanda Amado. It has to do with food in senior high schools. After that interview with the headmaster, Bernard Avler called up Chrissy Quartin, who is a public relations officer of the Education Ministry, on the City Breakfast Show today. This was the response he gave. I think this is not just, I mean, come to our attention. Even when school resumed or students resumed, uh, there was an issue of schools like Yasantua and Amas not having food. I came out with some distributions that had been made to them, and that went to lie. Uh, yesterday, for instance, I heard about, I think, Pesteg and uh, a school in Central Region, Agri Memoria. We made our findings, and it was not the case. Of course. I also personally randomly called some of the head teachers. For instance, I spoke to 
Kolongwe last week. He said uh, the Kolongwe enclave received 800 parts of rice yesterday. But in terms of cooking oil, the stock that they had was inadequate. But the assurance that I had from Buffer Stock was that uh, the attacks were on the roads and we're going to deliver some to them. Well, well, the, yes. the, the situation we are painting, that teacher we spoke to yesterday, is head teacher of a boarding school. He first yeah, he says they have eight bags of rice, eight bags of flour for the for the eight three thousand. The last time they, they ate bread with cocoa, so cocoa sakura. This is what they are taking. These are the points he makes on radio. Uh, on the issue of flour, it is not as though the distribution of the food is just a one-time event where distribution is made and is supposed to carry you through the entire uh, semester. Even after yesterday, trucks were still on the road, still making some distributions. It also depends on when he received those stuff. Because even as at just uh, 19th of this month, which happens to be also great attacker. For instance, if the school was in just a great attacker, he was supposed to go and pick additional stops. So, yes, we admit that the, the, the supplies that were made was not necessarily to carry them through the entire semester. So if the headmaster has made, I mean, such claims, it is possible. So that's Chrissy Quartin. He speaks for the Ministry of Education. This is Point Blank on Eyewitness News. My name is Umaru Sandamada. We are focusing on food in senior high schools. We heard from the headmaster. The PRO has a debunked loss of what the headmaster said. Let's speak to a dining hall master in another public secondary school. This one is also in the greater Accra region. Hello, welcome to City of MSA. Good evening, Umaru. Good evening. Good evening to you as well. Um, what is the paint a picture of the food situation in your school for us? And you are the dining hall master. Honestly, I, I, I admire my head for now because for them to feed our students now. I like them to Jesus Christ. They are feeding them like that Jesus Christ. They're feeding and Sorry, I'm losing you. I'm, I'm losing you. I can't hear you. Can you? Can you? I'm saying, I'm saying that I'm liking to Christ Jesus for them to feed our brothers and sisters in the boy house now. Wow. It's like Jesus Christ is feeding 5,000 boys. Five rooms of bread and sushi. The situation is a very terrible one. Very terrible. From last semester to tomorrow. Let me, let me just you. You see, for my school, we take tea week. That comes with bread. For the major part of last semester, there was no bread. It's Sorry, sir, but um, your line is really, I don't know what's happening, but uh, try and move around a bit. Let's see if we can get you on a better line. So you can repeat the position. You said you said your school takes tea how many times a week and then take it from there? Twice, twice a week. Proceed. I thought of last semester, there was no flower bread. Even milk, we don't, we didn't, we are not having milk. So sometimes, you have to inform the student, you can you bring your own milk or needle for the tea. 
So the whole of last semester, no bread for the tea? The major, I think a chunk part of the last semester, some few, the early part of it, we had some few salads, carryover to go down, but and see, even starting late in our we have fruit and cocoa. It has stopped completely. But they still get the cocoa? Yes. So you serve porridge without um, any, 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 any additives? That's the situation on grounds. What about other meals? What other meals and how are mm-hmm. they served? Mm-hmm. Jollof is one of the things the students love. Jollof used to be served with chicken. As I know, they manage jollof in some fish. And, <laughs> well, honestly, honestly, if I'm my own, I'm my child. I want to my child to be in the body just now. You, you said currently the jollof is served how? I didn't get that. Your line keeps stripping. They, they use, uh, no, they, don't, they can't, we don't shake it for the jollof again. Let me just, not even a fish is in the jollof. Small, small fishes mixed with it. Even thinking, now they, we used to have it, fish, marrow. The quantity of fish served these days. Uh, so the, the kinky comes with fish, but the fish is not enough or sufficient. Yeah, even, no, yes. We have kinky uh, twice a week. Sometimes fish, sometimes the mackerel. Um, at certain stages, we were sharing a mackerel to two tables. You mean a tin of mackerel? Yes. You have to share it to two tables. And the table has about how many students? Ten and some twelve. How is rice served? Rice, we have different rice meals. But for the sauce, some different rice. But well, it is to watch. I wish. I will give you pictures of what is said. You get a better picture. I, I wish you take your cameras wrong. Not when the minister announced he's going there. Take your cameras, go to the schools and announce. Even the headmasters will not have to allow you. They, they may not. And honestly, a headmaster to feed these children in school now. They are more than right now. Being 5,000 students, uh, people with 5,000 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 people Okay, what about um, LPG? The headmaster we spoke to yesterday said that there was a problem with gas, so they end up using, um, they end up cooking in the open using broken furniture in the school. That, that's not true. Sometimes we even have to cut some trees out to supplement whatever is coming there. Hey, let me go for my school like this. We took delivery of Tom Brown, about 20 bucks or so, flour, about 20 bucks or 25 bucks. I'm counting these figures off about 
there are places around the areas I'm calling. Sugar, about 25 bucks. Milk, about 8 cartons or 10 cartons. Vegetable oil, I think about 35 jelly cans. Macro, 6 cartons. Palm oil, 20, ca 20 jelly cans. Palm oil, 20 jelly cans. Tin tomatoes, about 10 or so cartons. Rice, the, the rice even came only, I think, a day or two ago. But what you are mentioning, that's that's a lot. That's huge, isn't it? Omaru, you see, these things will come. And when they even take, after all, you don't have meat. There are lots of meat. No grana, no millet, no soya beans, no beans. And when we sometimes even at the supply, the, the, so I ask for the the women, picking beans, picking granite green roots for this tool. Hey, it's there. Wow. The situation is fair. I was asking the, the volumes you mentioned, how many students are in your school? How many students are fed? 3,000. 3,000 students. 3,000? 3, yes. But what they supplied you would be enough, wouldn't it? What, what, what should have been the ideal supply? Are you able to feed the students three times a day though? Omaru, my the head in secondary school now can be likened to just twice. What do you mean? Yeah, just I just I just got fed five thousand points, five people, two fishes. The headmasters are being miracle. What's a practical issue in your school? Are students able to eat in the morning, afternoon and evening? Omaru, the students will hardly even go to the dining hall. Why? The quality of the food is already compromised. The quantity is another issue. Why is it indiscipline in the school? Also start from one of the most important countries in the school, which is a tiny home. Once you cannot control and tame these students there, the amount of this we are seeing is part of this. See, you cannot even go properly. Sorry, sorry, I, 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 sorry, sorry. I've lost you there again. But let me just let me just try and conclude this interview this way. Um, now you have enumerated a number of challenges. Um, are these new challenges? Your call have they... has been put on hold. Okay, uh, I think I think that 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 went bad. Um, apologies. We're just speaking to a dining hall master in one of the public secondary schools, telling us a story. I was going to ask him that. The minister for Ministry for Education has said that food has been dispatched. If uh, that has reached the school, finally we've lost him there. I have a parent. Okay, I think I have him back on the line. Let me, let me just conclude. The minister, the ministry's PRO has said to us, food has been dispatched. Could it be that your food is yet to arrive? Maru, the situation changes better compared to last semester. We pray the situation improve. Maru. Can't we let parents who can feed 
Maru, the food in the canteen is school. Students, some students earn not less than 20 CD a day in the canteen. I wish students can pay, feed own children. Maru, a child from a basic school, and a child is paying almost 2,000 at a time. Child is supposed to be fed in SHS. I'm thinking through the policies very well. I think it's a good policy. It's not condemning. Okay, thank you, thank you. I'm sorry, but the line was also a bit dodgy. Thank you so much for speaking to us. So that's a, a dining hall master speaking to us. There's a parent who has sent us a message. He says, uh, my daughter is in, um, well, he has mentioned, I don't know if I should mention this school's name, no, but it's a girls' school somewhere in the central region. He says they take cocoa with no bread all the time. They eat kinky with no fish. I buy biscuits, mackerel, milk, and cereals myself almost on a weekly basis all the time. And the headmistress is scared and doesn't want this to be known to parents. Now the practice is for parents to buy all provisions for their wards as if there's no food supply in the school. That's how we end tonight's edition of Eyewitness News. Uh, the City Breakfast Show will continue with more analysis and discussions on this. My name is Umaru Sandamado. Production by Beverly London, Sami Wiafi at Fred Teti Jabano. Technical support from Daniel Squashi. Edwin Kwakufi was dealing with the social and new media bit of the production for tonight. Thank you. We'll be back tomorrow at 17.30 GMT. Have a good night. City News. We speak first. Reach our hotline on 0302-224959. And get interactive on Facebook, City 97.3 FM, and on Twitter at City 973.